Long history, Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, part 9. Raleigh's journey begins, the vast Orinoco Delta. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History. For any new listeners, here we take source documents from history and split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes or so. If you've been inspired by any brief histories and like the idea of listening to historic adventures in all their original detail, this is the place to be. Here we're covering an eccentric document by Sir Walter Raleigh about his search for the legendary El Dorado. That's the place around today's Venezuela. Raleigh wants to impress Queen Elizabeth of England and to make a case for an English conquest of the area. We're halfway through this series now. This is episode 9 of an 18-point series. So by this point, 8 episodes have already been released. And don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the release of the other parts of this document. And anyone who's followed this document so far will perhaps will be a bit confused by this title. To be honest, I was confused myself about what to call this episode. But I guess you could say that even though Raleigh has made it from England to Trinidad, that's the island in the Caribbean of course, and then from Trinidad into the Orinoco Delta, this is more or less where Raleigh's journey begins proper because this is where his explorations start. As the previous episode ended, Raleigh reported that Berrio, the Spanish man who had given him most of the information he needed for his journey into Guyana, had tried to dissuade him from his journey, saying that the local people would flee and burn their towns, that the river route was low, sandy and full of flats. The fact that Raleigh had delayed telling us about his explorations until so late in his own document, of course does not bode well. And even as he begins in this episode, he's full of false starts, with poor guides, and a rally who seems overwhelmed by the vastness of the estuary he is trying to navigate. The first sentence of this episode is, Many, and the most of these, I found to be true. Berrio had just told Raleigh about the dangers of his journey, and this first sentence is Raleigh's response. Berrio's warnings were all true. This is Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 9. Raleigh's journey begins, the vast Orinoco Delta. Many, and the most of these I found to be true. But yet, I, resolving to make trial of whatsoever happened, directed Captain George Gifford, my vice-admiral, to take the lion's whelp, and Captain Caulfield in his bark, to turn to the eastward against the mouth of a river called Kapuri, whose entrance I had before sent Captain Widden and John Douglas, the master, to discover, who found some nine foot of water, or better upon the flood, and five at low water, to whom I had given instructions that they should anchor at the edge of the shoal, and upon the best of the flood to thrust over, which shoal John Douglas buoyed and beckoned for them before. But they laboured in vain, for neither could they turn it up altogether so far to the east. Neither did the flood continue so long, but the water fell ere they could have passed the sands, as we after found by a second experience, so as now we must either give over our enterprise or leaving our ships at adventure 400 miles behind us, must run up in our ship's boats, one barge and two wherries. But, being doubtful how to carry victuals for so long a time in such baubles, or any strength of men, especially for that Berrio assured us that his son must be by that time come down with many soldiers, I sent away one king, master of the lion's whelp, with his ship boat to try another branch of the river in the bottom of the Bay of Guanipa, which was called Amana, to prove if there were water to be found for either of the small ships to enter. But when he came to the mouth of Amana, he found it as the rest, 
but stayed not to discover it thoroughly, because he was assured by an Indian, his guide, that the cannibals of Guanipa would assail them with many canoes, and that they shot poisoned arrows, so as if he hastened not back, they should all be lost. In the meantime, fearing the worst, I caused all the carpenters we had to cut down a Gallego boat, which we meant to cast off, and to fit her with banks to row on, and in all things to prepare her the best they could, so as she might be brought to draw but five foot, for so much we had on the bar of Capuri at low water. And doubting of King's return, I sent John Douglas again in my long barge, as well to relieve him, as also to make a perfect search in the bottom of the bay. For it hath been held for infallible, that whatsoever ship or boat shall fall therein, can never disembark again, by reason of the violent current which setteth into the said bay, as also for that the breeze and easterly wind bloweth directly into the same. Of which opinion I have heard John Hampton, captain of the Minion in the third voyage of Hawkins of Plymouth, one of the greatest experience of England, and diverse other besides that have traded to Trinidad. I sent with John Douglas, an old cacique of Trinidad for a pilot, who told us that we could not return again by the bay or gulf, but that he knew a by-branch which ran within the land to the eastward, and he thought by it we might fall into Kapuri, and so return in four days. John Douglas searched those rivers, and found four goodly entrances, whereof the least was as big as the Thames at Woolwich. But in the bay thitherward, it was shoal, and but six foot water. So, as we were now without hope of any ship or bark to pass over, and therefore resolved to go on with the boats, and the bottom of the Gallego, in which we thrust sixty men. In the Lion Whelp's boat and wherry we carried twenty, Captain Caulfield in his wherry carried ten more, and in my barge another ten, which made up a hundred. We had no other means but to carry victual for a month in the same, and also to lodge therein as we could, and to boil and dress our meat. Captain Gifford had with him Master Edward Porter, Captain Enos, and eight more in his wherry, with all their victual weapons and provisions. Captain Caulfield had with him my cousin Butchet Gorges, and eight more. In the galley, of gentlemen and officers, myself had Captain Thin, my cousin John Greenville, my nephew John Gilbert, Captain Widden, Captain Keemis, Edward Hancock, Captain Clark, Lieutenant Hughes, Thomas Upton, Captain Facey, Jerome Farrar, Anthony Wells, William Connock, and above fifty more. We could not learn of Berrio any other way to enter but in branches so far to windward as it was impossible for us to recover, for we had as much sea to cross over in our wherries as between Dover and Calais, and in a great hollow, the wind and current being both very strong, so as we were drawn to go in those small boats directly before the wind into the bottom of the bay of Guanipa, and from thence to enter the mouth of some one of those rivers which John Douglas had last discovered, and had with us for pilot an Indian of Barema, a river to the south of Orinoque, between that and Amazons, whose canoes we had formerly taken as he was going from the said Barema, laden with cassave bread to sell at Margarita. This Arwakan promised to bring me into the great river of Orinoque, ah, but indeed of that which he entered he was utterly ignorant, for he had not seen it in twelve years before, at which time he was very young and of no judgment. 
and if God had not sent us another help, we might have wandered a whole year in that labyrinth of rivers, ere we had found any way either out or in, especially after we were past ebbing and flowing, which was in four days. For I know all the earth doth not yield the like confluence of streams and branches, the one crossing the other so many times, and all so fair and large, and so like one to another, as no man can tell which to take. And if we went by the sun or compass, hoping thereby to go directly one way or other, yet, that way, we were also carried in a circle amongst multitudes of islands, and every island so bordered with high trees as no man could see any further than the breadth of the river, or length of the breach. But this it chanced, that entering into a river, which, because it had no name, we called the River of the Red Cross, ourselves being the first Christians that ever came therein, the 22nd of May, as we were rowing up the same, we espied a small canoe with three Indians, which, by the swiftness of my barge, rowing with eight oars, I overtook ere they could cross the river. The rest of the people on the banks, shadowed under a thick wood, gazed on with a doubtful conceit which might befall those three which we had taken. But when they perceived that we offered them no violence, neither entered their canoe with any of ours, nor took out of the canoe any of theirs, they then began to show themselves on the bank's side, and offered to traffic with us for such things as they had. And as we drew near, they all stayed, and we came with our barge to the mouth of a little creek which came from their town into the great river. As we abode here a while, our Indian pilot, called Ferdinando, would needs go ashore to their village to fetch some fruits and to drink of their artificial wines, and also to see the place and know the lord of it against another time, and took with him a brother of his, which he had with him in the journey. When they came to the village of these people, the lord of the island offered to lay hands on them, purposing to have slain them both, yielding for reason that this Indian of ours had brought a strange nation into their territory to spoil and destroy them. But the pilot, being quick and of a disposed body, slipped their fingers and ran into the woods, and his brother, being the better footman of the two, recovered the creek's mouth where we stayed in our barge, crying out that his brother was slain. With that, we set hands on one of them that was next to us, a very old man, and brought him into the barge, assuring him that if we had not our pilot again, we would presently cut off his head. This old man, being resolved that he should pay the loss of the other, cried out to those in the woods to save Ferdinando our pilot, but they followed him notwithstanding, and hunted after him upon the foot with their deer dogs, and with so main a cry that all the woods echoed with the shout they made. But at last this poor chased Indian recovered the riverside, and got upon a tree, and, as we were coasting, leaped down and swum to the barge half dead with fear. But our good hap was that we kept the other old Indian, which we handfasted to redeem our pilot withal, for, being natural of those rivers, we assured ourselves that he knew the way better than any stranger could, and indeed, but for this chance, I think we had never found the way, either to Guyana or back to our ships. For Ferdinando, after a few days, knew nothing at all, nor which way to turn. Yea, and many times the old man himself was in great doubt which river to take. Those people which dwell in these broken islands and drowned lands are generally called Tivitivas, there are of them two swords, the one called Siawani, 
and the other Warawetí. The great river of Orinoque, or Baracán, hath nine branches which fall out on the north side of his own main mouth. On the south side, it hath seven other fallings into the sea, so it disemboketh by sixteen arms in all, between islands and broken ground. But the islands are very great, many of them as big as the Isle of Wight and bigger, and many less. From the first branch on the north to the last of the south, it is at least one hundred leagues, so as the river's mouth is three hundred miles wide at his entrance into the sea, which I take to be far bigger than that of Amazon's. All those that inhabit in the mouth of this river, upon the several north branches, are these Tivitivas, of which there are two chief lords, which have continual wars, one with the other. The islands which lie on the right hand are called Palamos, and the land on the left are Arotamaca, and the river by which John Douglas returned within the land from Amana to Kapuri, they called Makuri. Raleigh's journey is finally underway, more or less. He's wandered around the tributaries of the Orinoco, trying to count them, but perhaps not very convincingly. He's forced to rely on local guides, but they're not much help. Raleigh describes the vast number of flows and islands in this estuary. Despite making a strong case for the existence of El Dorado in previous episodes, it's becoming increasingly clear that he has simply no idea how to get there. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode. You know the drill by now, please don't forget to like it and subscribe if you haven't already. But above all, thank you for listening. This was Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 9. Raleigh's journey begins, the vast Orinoco Delta. Goodbye.